All right. Hello and welcome to Mechanaut Machinations. Uh, I'm Oak Sprout and I'm joined today by Chris from Context. Hey. Hello, Chris. <laughs> What's up? Hey, Oak. Hey, listeners. Yeah. Thanks for the invite. Um, good stuff. All right. So today we are going to obviously dive into Context. Um, we're also going to talk a lot about Web2, um, Web3, and, um, and sort of everything in between. So what I wanted to start with was talking a little bit about the, the kind of background of Web2, and, um, and then later on we'll talk about where context fits into that. Um, so maybe we can start, because you, you've written a lot about these topics, um, we can start with uh, siloization, so the siloization of data, um, of personal data, and maybe you can talk a little bit about why that matters. Right, yeah, I, I think siloization is like a pretty big topic and in that problem space there's probably like one problem that stands out it's like the most obvious problem is like filtering on social media right so let's say there's a group of people which is us and maybe our listeners this this group of people who you know used to live in silicon valley and now it's this sort of global uh, group of people like um interested in technology sci-fi reading, excited about blockchain and so on. Um, maybe like politically, liberally minded or just loving freedom and and wanting to enable other people in this world to also have freedom, right? Um, and, and we face this dilemma with social media, right? We want, we, we want filters, we want filtering of, let's say, fake news or bad topics, like some keywords we don't want to, don't want to see and we don't, want kids to see and so on. Um, but then on the other hand, we don't want one central company like Twitter to run those filters. That is sort of a dilemma we cannot really solve right now. And our theory in context or like the company we are building is that we should separate these three layers of data input and algorithms, filtering, moderation, and the output, the UI, basically. Um, so like you can imagine overlaying Twitter with your own filters, right? Like right now, Twitter just tells you what you should see. And you scroll through Twitter. There's a lot of like unconnected tweets. And sometimes you get annoyed by it and just close it. You get annoyed by the ads and so on. Uh, imagine a world where you could click a button and then you just scroll through your friend bubble, right? Sometimes you just want to feel cozy. Um, maybe another time you want to educate yourself and learn about Ethereum. And maybe you can think it of the like situation of a newcomer in crypto, right? Like how do you learn about crypto? It's like there's so many scams or just spam and misinformation. And like the first take always is like, yeah, Bitcoin is kind of, bad and used for gambling and so on. Um, so it's really hard to get an overview. So maybe sometimes you want to click the same button and you just want to see links by the top experts in Ethereum, right? You want the historically best, like most upvoted links on this topic. And of course it's, it's somewhat like Reddit, but you want the same thing on Twitter, right? Um, or maybe another time you want to learn about politics and you want to have like an objective truth filter, uh, which shows you both sides to an argument, right? Um, right, so and sort of the problem here is that we cannot really do it, right? It's like Twitter runs the filters um, and Twitter doesn't really want to change, right? And that's siloization is basically a business problem. Like Twitter, they optimize their filters for ad revenue, right? They, they optimize filters for like the time users spend scrolling through the feed. So they then stay on the platform and click the most ads and like retweet and so on, generate engagement. But, but they don't optimize their filters or their, um, yeah, their content filtering for, you know, to make us happy or uh, to, to yeah, optimize for uh, for education or whatever. Like this sounds subjective, but there's also like objective things you could uh, optimize for, right? Like you don't want to scroll 
through 100 tweets and then just like one tweet. But they, they have the feedback, right? They have the, the amount of likes per tweets we scroll through and they could optimize to like minimize that ratio, right? But they mm -hmm. don't do it because they want to, to make money. <laughs> yeah. Great. So, um, and so the next thing is, how, how does this tie into recommendations? You, you've written quite extensively about how broken you see recommendations as. Obviously, there's a connection to, to what you've just been saying, but maybe you can drill in a little bit more to how recommendations sure, yeah. work. And yeah. Yeah, so probably like social media is the topic that everybody talks about because it's most visible and there's like several uh, levels of criticism to it, right? Like it, social media gets attacked by nation states and like network of bots who influence decision-making of companies and of like private persons and of like state actors. So it's pretty visible a problem, but essentially the same algorithms which filter your Twitter feed, they also uh, recommend movies on Netflix, right? It's, it's all recommender systems. Mm -hmm. um, so, so basically as input, they take the social graph, for example, like relationships between people, and they take as input relationship between items. So for movies, for example, as like uh, AI would think of categories like they have um, the same actor in it, or they have the same category, right? Like, like two dramas versus two action movies. Um, and, and that way, uh, AI can get to know your history, right? Or they can like categorize the rated movies or the movies you watched into these categories. And based on that, make like give predictions on future movies, which you are probably, which you would probably like to watch, right? Um, and again, this, this is a business case, right? Like, so Netflix, there's this statistics on Netflix that they m made, I think 1 billion US dollar m from like recommendations from, from movies that were recommended. Like 75%, I think, of all clicks on movies that users watched came from recommended movies because like the whole start screen is basically recommended movies, right? Mm. Yeah. Because users are lazy and they don't want to search, right? Mm. And right, so and this problem, the pro the problem basically is like how good can you make this recommendation, right? And obviously, you cannot really judge that well if the recommendation right now is bad compared to like a glorious future, right? Mm. Um, but then if if you look at it from like a research perspective, um. Or first, you can you can imagine just how the internet could look like, right? Like you could imagine Netflix with a button with a sign in button, like log in with IMDb, log in with Letterboxd or Doban or YouTube, right? Like probably you have some understanding of hey, these recommendations could be better if Netflix knew your history from other platforms, right? And the same. Uh, would be true if Netflix had your social graph from Twitter or Facebook. If they had all this data, of course, recommendations would be better, right? And then again, uh, they don't want to do it, right? Like um, Netflix and Google and Facebook, Twitter are all different companies and they don't want to share user data because they make money, they make more money um, holding, hotling their user data into in silos, right? Um, Another quick example is also Google Maps for, for restaurant recommendations, right? Like imagine the, the story, you land in Shanghai for the first time and you love to eat Chinese food. You want to get to know the, the best restaurants in town, but your problem is that you don't understand Chinese good enough to understand like local reviews. And you, you, you don't trust like strangers reviews on Google Maps, like some random tourists that don't have any connection to you, right? And and the worst case, there's even like fake reviews because they are bored because there's not that much diligence on um, on restaurant reviews on Google Maps. Right? Um, and then imagine a, a world where you actually have reviews from people you know, like your Twitter followers or the people you are following, trusting, right? Or your friends from Facebook or WhatsApp or you know. And 
again, like, I guess most people got an understanding that, hey, it could be better. But like, why? Why doesn't Google just like allow for login with Twitter and, and allowing you to overlay Google Maps with uh, recommendations from friends, right? And it's, it's yeah. the same problem because it's just silos and sharing data is like um, not compatible with their business model, right? Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, it, it feels like both the both the problems there sort of stem from siloization, like um, you know your recommendations on a particular service like Netflix are limited because Netflix doesn't know about you in the rest in the context of the rest of your digital life and also your um your sort of recommendations are limited by the fact that other people um you can't you can't see what other people like on your service so you go into Netflix for example I can't see what my brother's been watching or like my friends have been watching they just don't have it so yeah, I mean, those are huge. And this is, uh, we talked about it a little bit, but this is what I find super exciting about context and what you're working on is that um, these are just like, these are just glaring, like super, super glaring problems in, with, with Web2 for me, as, as just like, just as an individual user. Like for some time, like I often just like pull up Netflix and I just like, scroll through a wall of crap I don't want to watch like <laughs> it's quite depressing and it's even it's like multiplied by um by um like w when I'm trying to watch something with my wife for example it's like the like I can't even find anything on there that like the recommendations don't show me anything on there that I want to watch myself and that's like there's almost zero percent chance no matter what their match score says I'm going to find something that I want to watch with my wife at exactly the same time. And uh, yeah, it leads to a lot of fights. So <laughs> I need this. Uh, I yeah, need, right. Um, and fix. <laughs> like, like how cool would it be if there was a mini app that actually lets you log in with Netflix and then find people who like the same movies? Or yeah. like if you're arguing with your wife, then then you probably want to find the best movie to watch together. Like which the system predicts that you both like. Yeah. Um, that could be awesome, right? It could be very awesome. I mean, it leads on to all sorts of stuff. Like, I don't know, like, um, you know, I, I suppose we're talking about like reviews and, and, and stuff that you've seen elsewhere on like IMDB or, or Goodreads or whatever, or even just like articles you've been reading that day. But you can kind of imagine uh, a world where, you know, it's, you get recommendations based on like, your how your mood has changed over the day or like yeah, um, yeah. like very very precise uh, like elements of your own personal data but which you wouldn't even expect once you get once you get sort of machine learning in the mix like it can pull out trends that um a human wouldn't even think of so it's all super, right super yeah exciting. yeah and that's that's because like it's not really a technical problem right it's it's just a business problem that yeah there are these silos right and I have like two examples where you can get inspiration from for the sort of like future imaginative world we're envisioning. And and one is like the old internet, right? Mm -hmm. Like um, there, there's this one uh, Tom Scott video on YouTube. Um, this guy talking about, hey, back in the early 2000s, Yahoo had this, this, this drag and drop thing called Yahoo Pipes, where you could plug and play like um, different APIs from different services and sort of what today is Zapier or if this, then that, mm. right? Um, with, with actually all these services, what now would be, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Google, Amazon services, uh, were open, right? And until then, I don't know, in the 2010s, they noticed that actually you can make more money if you close down your platform and show ads. <laughs> instead of allowing people to plug and play and building new things on top of their platforms and so on. But it's, um, I think also Vitalik wondered about this in, in one of his posts, like why people in the, the uh, Ethereum blockchain Twitter sphere now and then mention like the old internet, right? You have like Suko talking about the old internet and so on. Mm -hmm. Because it was free, right? It was free and then they realized that there's no money in it, right? Like RSS, RSS was, pretty awesome and actually today there was this 
guy uh, posting in the ceramic chat that he's building basically an RSS um, poster and feed reader um, built on in ceramic network, right? Which is pretty cool, but essentially it's not an engineering problem. It's like a business problem, right? You need mm -hmm. to you need to incentivize people to to join that new network, right? Which yeah. is another topic, but um, but then like the alternates, one place you can look at and. The other place I would always look at is China, basically, where, the, like, you know, you enter you enter China and you know there's no privacy, right? Like yeah. at least online, there's no privacy, and and that's sort of freeing, I would say, um, because like you you don't care if you you know if you have that premise sort of, um, but then if you know that in the back of your head, and then you look at the Chinese app ecosystem. Like UX and UI is so awesome in China. It's so different. Like you have basically like two, three big apps where users have their identity, right? So for us, it would be everywhere, right? Like we have Facebook, Twitter, Amazon, Google, and so on. Mm. But in China, it's basically Weibo and WeChat, where like 99% of Chinese people have WeChat and have Weibo. So then on any new service, let's say there's like a a new um, like crowdsource karaoke app, which I tested like some weeks ago. It's pretty awesome, right? But it's a new thing. And usually in the West, you would have to rebuild your um, like network effects from the platform perspective, or like as users, you have like switching costs, right? It's hard to, to build this new small social network. Uh, but in China, you just log in with with WeChat or with Weibo, and then you have all your friends already. And it's the same with like Douban, the, the Chinese uh, IMDb, basically. I mean, IMDb plus Goodreads, where you log in and you see which books and which movies your friends like, which could be so easy to do, but Amazon doesn't want it, right? Like Amazon owning IMDb and Goodreads. Oh. It's very interesting. Um, uh, well, I mean, it's very interesting to, to hear about the, 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 the Chinese internet landscape because I, I lived in China for, for quite a while, and, but it was before like any of the internet hit. Um, interesting. And um, it's, I don't know, it, it's super interesting, uh, it, almost like architecturally as well, because at the base, it seems like, um, you know, that, as you say, there are so few identity protocols or like identity services. There are, um like the the platforms are were like very well scoped and so you i don't know it's, it's easier to 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 build on maybe um and it's easier from a user experience perspective as well but at the same time that probably becomes that that comes from the central control um like the degree to which uh um corporations are, are controlled centrally in china and so I don't know. It, it 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 it's. I think we can we can maybe touch on it a little bit more when we when we talk about things like ceramic and um, sort of Web three protocols in general because I, I have a sense that they might be able to bring the same benefits just with the same benefits as yeah um, Chinese developers see, but maybe with more of a focus on privacy. So yeah, switching gears slightly, maybe we can talk about the um, the sort of the solution to these problems. So. I'm interested in uh, Web3 is such a broad term. And uh, in, in my opinion, it's been bastardized a bit, but I, I'm curious how you define it and how it how it plays into the, the problems that we just talked about. Yeah, right. So I don't know if there's any good definition yet of Web3. Uh, I guess like, everybody has different definition. Um, so one, what way to define it, I guess. So there's like different blockchain use cases right now, right? So one is DeFi, obviously. Then there's like this whole space of gambling and art, NFTs and gaming. And there is internet, right? And like the internet part, I would say is Web3. Mm. Um, and largely, so I would say largely it's it's all about what we just talked about. Like even some people would argue, okay, there's like Steemit and all these Steemit clones. And I would say it there is nothing that really works as an alternative to Web2 yet, right? If you look at like alternative social medias and so on. 
Um, because you always have this problem of, hey, you, you need to bridge Web 2 to Web 3 somehow. Otherwise, you need to build like a new network. Mm. Um, but maybe maybe that's the wrong route to go. Um, what I like about Web 3, and maybe take Ceramic, like the, the company as an example, is this sort of grassroots approach to defining new standards for the internet, like on infrastructure layer. Right, so so basically, how does the internet? How how do new standards come up right now on the internet? Right, it's the it's these sort of consortiums with old people. <laughs> I don't know, like you know, old people, but also maybe mostly Apple and Google, who then define. You know, right now a big topic is that Apple and Google notice that cookies don't work for third parties to track advertisements, online ads. Um, so they switch to, uh, first they, they propose sort of the sandbox to um, run systems similar to what Brave does, like, and to sort of what we want to do um, to, to learn about users and then put them into category and do like K anonymity. So like put 100 users in a, in a pool, uh, sort of analyze them by given categories, which in, in Brave's case would be like these these advertising categories, right? Like this guy likes finance, this guy likes uh, whatever art. Um, and then that way, uh, like sort of anonymize them over this um, this, this given pool. Uh, so that would be like a, a standard they are developing right now, right? But it's, it's literally just Apple and Google sitting at this table. And like one solution could be that, yeah, they, they find like one common standard and it's open source and okay, but but there's still it still doesn't solve the problem of siloing and so on, right? Um, and and there's no way really to contribute to this discussion, right? Mm-hmm. And ceramic I see as the grassroots approach to just build tooling like build infrastructure that works, and and we will talk about it soon, right? Um, and just by building it and getting adoption, uh, showing that it actually works. And then we build a sort of parallel internet that's on top of Web 2, right? And maybe that's not a really clear definition of Web 3, but like, I'd say in short, like this this grassroots approach of building, defining new infrastructure for the internet. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. All that infrastructure sort of coming together to break down the silos and create new business models um, on top, I think is, I don't know, I, I, I think it's super exciting. And I, I think that uh, that definition makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So yeah, moving on slightly, um, maybe you can talk, uh, introduce context. We, obviously we've touched on it a little bit, but maybe you can talk, uh, just, just give a brief introduction to context. And this is for everybody listening, context with a K. Uh, which I probably should have said earlier, rather than just the, the concept. <laughs> yeah, the the domain was cheaper, and right? <laughs> um, it's actually the German word for context. Yeah, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So before we said basically, um, the, these companies don't want to break their own silos, and from the user perspective, so they there are. So there are small solutions like single sign-ons, like this button which says log in with Facebook, log in with Google. And you know, if these um if Google wants it and the platform wants it, then they can integrate it. But still, if that button's there and you have the option to log in with Google, users might not want to do it, or most don't want to do it because there's like literally no control over which data you're sharing. Right. Um and sort of and, and now with ceramic it's actually possible for users to pull their data from different different silos. And just like the, just the first step that, that hasn't really been possible before, right? Like pool their data and use Ceramic. They have this uh, JSON schemas, which you can use to, let's say, standardize ratings, rated movies from Netflix and rated movies from IMDb and Letterboxd and Doban, and put them all together in like one big list of rated movies, right? And and then like there's different different definitions of identity, but I would say that's like the web two definition of identity. That that's how an algorithm sees you, right? Like in in the context of your liked movies. Um so 
now that we have that user has this pool of like movies and expressions of, of his taste and maybe parts of his social graph, um, we then can build, and, and that's context already, right? Like the first part is ceramic, and then we build a sort of a marketplace on top, which allows developers to run algorithms on the user's data. And then the third party uh, are developers again, which then build, uh, let's say, a Chrome extension, which then outputs the data from the algorithm into, let's say, Netflix again, right? So, so there's a, like a closed loop where the user exports data from IMDb and from Letterboxd and a couple of, of silos with rated movies. He, he then lets developers run algorithms that algorithms make predictions. And those predictions are, hey, you and your wife like the same movie. And the algorithm predicts that you you won't argue over this movie tonight, right? And the the last um the last step is basically showing this in in the Netflix interface. Um and of course Netflix doesn't want to integrate uh, Ethereum and uh, ceramic and context. So we use uh, a Chrome extension to you know, hack the DOM and show that little field in in your uh, Netflix landing page. And the like, a, like the interesting thing also is there's really like a self-reinforcing loop, right? Like the, the user in the start might not want to share all his data. So of course his tweets are public, but maybe not his IMDb lists, right? Maybe, maybe there's something he doesn't want to share about his like rated movies, it's too private for him. But then you you can actually signal to him, hey, like this this product is going to be better if you open your database to this entity. And this entity could be just like one developer. It could be a company with a you know, contract which says you don't, we don't share this data and so on. It, it could be really an, an open marketplace, yeah. I see. Uh, I mean, super, super exciting. There's a lot to, uh, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, so, Okay, so I mean, in concrete terms, you, there there is a context app, um, a web app which you can go to currently. Um, the, does the Chrome extension is is that something you're working on, or is that something that people can already try? Yes. So so there's one part of the Chrome extension, which and it's not released on the Chrome Store yet, but it's like open source in our GitHub repo, um, which just allows you to bookmark any URL. So if you have the extension installed, you can click the button, then it automatically saves that URL with a comment into your own list. And then you can go um, onto app.context.app and you see your list, your imported list, and you can sort that into different lists, right? Like you might want to save your movies into one list and your favorite Ethereum DeFi tweets into another list. And you can share them with different people. You can crowdsource lists with people you could like rebuild week in Ethereum newsletter or your like favorite Ethereum podcast in one list and share them and so on. It's, it's like a simple bookmark manager. Got it. And so that's the that's the sort of the, the beginning, the first step to begin getting people um, sort of into the way of depositing some of their uh, personal data into their sort of ceramic slash context um, personal data store. And then you'll build on that later, I guess. Um, right. Yeah. yeah so uh, maybe we'll come back to it later. But I, I am curious to ask sort of like what's like sort of what the next steps are. Um, but yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll come back to that. We'll come back to that shortly. Is there anything else you wanted to, to say about the sort of like uh, context as it stands today that, that people ought to know? Um, yeah. So I think just to sort of repeat and, and add to this sort of self-reinforcing loop. So that's mm. the user side. And we think it, that's like the first side you want to scale, right? You need data to then run algorithms on it. Mm. So basically right now we build our super simple algorithm and we build the Chrome extension, which then shows, you know, your the output, like your favorite movie, like what we, what our algorithm thinks is your favorite movie on Netflix. And we just build this ourselves and, and then open the user side because to us it makes more sense to scale that first. Um, and uh, adding to that sort of self-reinforcing loop, once the user puts in data from different platforms, then of course, like the algorithms also get better, right? And so finally, we think our theory is 
And from a research perspective, it does make sense that like in the end, the algorithms get better, right? Because they have more diverse data from different platforms. They have like a better, more complete representation of a user's identity. Um, so not just the output gets better, but also the, the algorithms, which is an interesting like long-term effect towards general intelligence. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, general intelligence and also just like way, a way, way better experience on, on the web. Just uh, sort of mind, it, it feels like it's mind blowing how much better recommendations can get when, when silos are broken down, particularly around personal data. But frankly, this probably extends to more like enterprise data as well. But um, I think maybe you, same as me, uh, tend to be more focused on sort of consumer personal data um and yeah, yeah it's super super exciting so that that kind of leads into a next question which is about yourself and so i'm curious like what the story is for you getting into this sort of what your background is um yeah okay um nothing too special so i guess i got lucky to to work in an ethereum startup um relatively early i guess in, in terms of like how fast everything goes so it was uh, in 2016 and i started to work together in 2017 with dong ha who uh who's the other co-founder basically of um, context with context with me and together we worked on a sort of related topic um but i'm not sure if i should dive into it right now but um it, it's this it's called trust lines and it's uh the credit-based payments network, hmm. um, which is sort of similar to Circus. So like this, this Gnosis sub-project, which sort of went viral for one week, a half year ago, maybe. Um, I'm not sure if you if you heard about it, but we can we can talk about it later. And yeah, let... I, I have actually heard of Trust Lines. I, I'm, I followed it. Oh, really? I followed it. Um, but yeah, I, I, no, I didn't know you were involved with that. That's, that's really interesting. Um, I think I think maybe we can come back and, and touch on that, but I'm 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 yeah I'm curious how you got from there to like the 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 you know the the use case for context. Yeah right. So um, it's a bit related to just sense, but but we could skip that and um, and come back later where we talk maybe about like relation to to DeFi, which is interesting. Mm. But but from from there. Um, I would say it's like just personal story of like, hey, I started in like startup and then I want to do my own thing and so on. And, and I see this problem because it just comes up a lot, like everywhere, obviously, right? Like the, the social media problem and so on. I researched a little bit before on recommendation algorithms um, and thus maybe had like the, the background a little bit. And um, there's one company I like, which is Comma AI, mm. uh, funded by GeoHot, which is pretty interesting. And I, I think it's like, so, so they aim to solve um, autonomous driving, basically. And you could say they are second in progress to Tesla. And they, they do it in a sort of like open source way. It's interesting. And, and you could say we have a context sort of like the long term same goal right like we we want to make um not to like they generate a lot of new data of like cars driving like humans right but um but we want to pull data enable users to to pull that data and then learn about users right and so like the, the long-term goal being to develop really intelligence like artificial intelligence and, um like, like imagine, imagine uh, that's GPT three, but they know your browser history. Mm. Like, like how how awesome would it be to talk to somebody who knows your browser history? I mean, like, right? They they know everything about you basically. Like, they they know how you feel, what you do, what you like, what you hate. They know your friends and so on. It's it could be scary, but you know, um, it's an interesting interesting problem. Yeah. And. I guess that's sort of how we landed here, right? <laughs> On context. All right. Well, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm super excited about what what GPT three can do with your your entire entire personal data store. It's 
um, yeah, pretty mind blowing. We'll we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Um, just to kind of hook background to ceramic, you touched on it a bit earlier, um, but yeah, maybe we can we can flesh that out a little bit more. So, why did you choose it in, in comparison to to sort of other projects, and um, and how specifically are you using it currently? How have you implemented it? So I I've been following the team for quite some time, right? They they like part of the ceramic team was at Uport, and. I, by then I already talked to them, I think, and followed what they did, right? And I loved Threebox. I hacked a little bit with Threebox and actually maybe the first context prototype I did maybe last year, summer, summer of last year um, with Threebox. And I guess I, I just took sort of the same journey in, in thinking as a team where you cannot really build like front-end solutions and really nice web apps right now with Bbox. So they actually first have to build like the infrastructure, right? Which made a lot of sense looking back. And right now is sort of the, the point in time where, hey, this is ready. And 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 what's ready and what, what we use is first like these schemas, just JSON schemas, which um, allow us to compare, to like first to put different, um, again, like different data from like movies from Netflix, from IMDb, and so on, into the same format. And then second step, being able to you know compare them and calculate on them and so on. Um, that's that's one thing. And of course, you I mean, ceramic is pretty awesome because it's independent of any storage. And if you look, if, if you have this question as a as a depth project, just some hacker to like which storage solution you should choose. Like with context, you don't really have to choose, right? You can you can work on sort of like the, the middle layer without choosing any um, storage. So you, so you could choose to standardize all your data in into these ceramic formats. And already then it's it's verifiably, right? Like you, it's all hashed and you, you can see what changed in tree of data and which point of time and so on and who changed it. But you don't have to decide right now where you actually store the data. And, and of course, like storage being the argument for, you need that for like a decentralized Web3, right? Yeah. But it's it's just hard to decide otherwise. So yeah, that's, I guess, what drew us to Ceramic. Yeah. I suppose the beauty of Ceramic further down the line as well is that given that everything's so all the all the structure of the data is so standardized it puts less pressure on where you store the data as well because it becomes significantly easier to chop and change the underlying storage solution um, yes, yeah. another yeah another nice benefit um so yeah now now switching gears slightly so we, we talked a little bit about where you see context sort of evolving from here some like um some very interesting i mean it, it feels like there are a lot of different directions it can go in the sort of concretely where do you go like immediately after the the bookmarking uh service right yeah so <laughs> we just talked about like long-term ai girlfriends right but yeah. um but immediately so, so the first thing we do is this uh bookmarking manager I think it makes a lot of sense because it's, it's sort of generalized and, and people can choose, users can choose which data they want to put in, right? Like which ratings and so on. Could be movies, could be restaurants, could be social media posts. Um, but we, after we, you, you know, like onboarded a couple of, of users, we actually want to solve this problem in the Ethereum space, which is education. It's like the sort of like a knowledge problem in Ethereum for newcomers. Um, where I think I said before, where there's a lot of lot of spam and misinformation, and not just misinformation, but but even good information, which which you can't really sort into your own context. Like for example, you you Google what is Ethereum, and you would get a different answer on Twitter than you would get on you know the first Google link or on Reddit or on like the first Google link probably is like Coin desk or coin telegraph right they, they all have different different contexts of what they're saying and as a newcomer it's really hard to understand um 
get a picture, especially if people don't really dive deep and look at all the links, but they just go to the first one and then they see, oh yeah, uh, whatever, you, Lacan uh, said that, oh, Bitcoin is just used for, for illegal stuff and then just close the tab and never look at Bitcoin again for like two years to the <laughs> next bull market, right? That's, yeah. That shouldn't be, that's stupid. Yeah. So we want to fix that, yeah. And uh, another, so like uh, one... Sorry, just to, maybe just to jump yeah. in there and, and just hold that thought. It yeah. sounds almost like what you're describing here is almost a uh, like a, an alternative discovery mechanism. Like it's, yes. it's, it's almost like a better way to, to find the information you're looking for. Yes. Which I suppose is what a recommendation engine is, but it... Um, well, I suppose actually maybe we're talking more about search here than discovery. It's the same thing, basically. Yeah. So, like, well, no matter if you, if you like, okay. So on Google you put in some text, but on Twitter you you click somewhere or you know Netflix. So it's it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, I guess my my curiosity is around like specifically with search, like. I mean, maybe discovery is sort of like the, the broad category, but then you got search, which is specifically looking for one piece of information, whereas ex exploration is maybe more what you get with a service like Twitter. And I, I felt like what you're describing with this next piece you're going after with the Ethereum education is sort of, you know, when people are looking for a specific, uh, you know, to find out a specific bit of information, um, helping them find like the correct version of that or the correct you know the one which suits them best because you know maybe the coin telegraph um you know biography of vitalik is the best for one person in one particular moment yeah. but um whatever the i don't know um the latest uh, meme on twitter or yeah, I don't know. Some some yeah. other some other publication has a, a much better profile, which is going to yeah. respond better to like I don't know your your age group or your I don't know your mindset at that particular moment. So uh, anyway, I, I don't know if that's that that is actually what you're you're talking about doing. Right. Yeah. I, I guess. Okay. So I could define it in terms of that. Uh, yeah. Like people have this question and they don't even they're not on Twitter yet, right? Like even one step before the problem of social media filtering because people don't even have like their their Twitter following built yet and, and they don't have a Reddit account or all of you on which subreddits are relevant to learning about Ethereum. Right. So it's like that's the that's the first thing. Like you want to learn about Ethereum, you Google Ethereum. Right. That's that's what you do. So um right, so that makes sense. And like also from the perspective we talked a little bit about that, of course, Twitter doesn't want to integrate ceramic login button right now, right? Yeah. Like, um, we, so we built this Chrome extension to overlay Twitter and to overlay Netflix and to hack the DOM with our output. Um, and, and the same thing is useful for something like ethereum.org where, you know, Ethereum Foundation has done like a really awesome job with this new website. It's it's pretty it's awesome. It's like the best example of of any uh, website that represents a community and like an ecosystem of many projects. I really, really like it. And and still they uh, they face this dilemma that they don't want to um, like list a thousand steps on their ethereum.org/steps site, but they also don't want to list like just five. Right, because people would hate them, like the other five, the next five, which yeah. are not listed. So I think they have this mechanism of randomly mixing up a larger, um, like choosing five projects from a larger list of projects and mixing that up every day or whatever, um, which is which is pretty nice and hacky solution. Um, but how could how cool could it be if our Chrome extension could actually show content like the same list? like ordered by whatever data you logged in with, like your social graph from Twitter or your history of whatever else you like. Maybe you have a, a history of liking posts on Hacker News, which is sort of related to to Ethereum, right? It's like, um, so maybe then based on that data, we can order this list of a thousand uh, dApps on Ethereum.org without the foundation having to take a stance and like losing face or whatever, mm. right? 
So I think even from their perspective, not just from the user perspective, it would be better, but also from, yeah, Ethereum.org basically from the Ethereum Foundation would be would be interesting experiment. That's that's cool because that kind of ties into well a topic we didn't touch on, but one that you've written about quite a lot, which is about the sort of the difficulty of centralized moderation and how you know services like Twitter and Facebook and it seems even Ethereum, uh, the Ethereum website and foundation in this case are in such a difficult place because they they need to moderate to an extent they need to curate to an extent but you can't you, by kind of by definition you can't you can't curate without pissing some people off like either yeah. like somebody so um yeah i mean frankly i, I wouldn't even be surprised if ethereum.org was kind of interested in in putting context to work because it um it makes their job a lot easier and helps people find the the information they're ultimately looking at. I just want to quickly um, move on to a couple of things before we have to sign off. Um, one thing which I'm super interested to dive into a little bit more is the how you see the um, you you mentioned this cycle earlier on where um, sort of data is coming in, uh, data is getting pulled into call it the the context personal data store you know which is basically like the home of sort of like the locker for all your personal data and yeah. then recommendations are getting built on top of that which make it more um sort of enticing for users to put more data into their personal data store and that builds and builds and builds how do you see that kind of playing out with other projects um like where does the like where does the data ultimately um live is it is it is it going to live with context or is it is it just going to be something um or is it just with their three id or i, I don't know I, maybe you can talk a little bit more about that um i'm not completely sure about the question but so the data would could be stored anywhere right so i think it makes sense to use something like filecoin or arweave but then also we are not totally sure um Basically, if that's scalable, if you want to train algorithms on like decentralized storage infrastructure, mm. um, you could see the parallel to what Brave does. And of course, Brave does like a similar thing where they learn the like a little bit of the identity of users based on their browsing history and then match that with whoever pays for advertisement. And it, and it sucks, right? It's like you still get a lot of spam advertising. Um, it's not really scalable right now, but it's, I think like goes in the right direction. And yep. what they do is like they, they store it um, on your computer, of course, like the browsing history is just on your computer. They train the algorithm while you run the browser basically, and, and then send off, like then pull that data to again, anonymize it over like a number of users and then send it to their, to their uh, servers or, or not even send it to the server. I think they match like, you basically download a list of advertisings and then they match it locally. Um, okay. So we could do the same, right? We could save it locally or we like, we don't have to decide as context, like the user could decide there could be like just a settings page who says, do you want to save it on Filecoin with like these advantages and disadvantages and do you want to save it on, or there could be different like front ends to the context, right? And, and they have different solutions. Yeah. Um... So it's, it's interesting as you as you spoke, I kind of crystallized what what the what my question really was. Um, you know, it is I think the question is: Is personal data going to become its sort of platform in itself, and is context the the, the platform, or is it um, is is somebody else a platform? And just just to clarify that a little bit, um, you know, like. Is is anybody yeah. like you're going to be pulling in a bunch of personal data um, into context? Is is everybody else going to be able to build on that or or not? And and you know, do you see a, do you see one platform potentially emerging which which is you know anybody will be able to build on? Yeah. So it's hard to answer this question. What will be the platform? Um, so I think. The challenge is in scaling these three sites, Umarkplace, so like the end users, which 
which should have the incentive to open more data because they get a better product. And these two developer groups, right? Like the developers who build algorithms and train algorithms, and these developers who build UIs, you know, to build a better Netflix UI, build a better Twitter UI, and so on. Um, and I think the platform and, and context will be the platform that incentivizes those parties to play together, right? And and of course, in long term, there will be like a fourth party, which will be the which will be Twitter, <laughs> mm. like at some point uh, soon, probably. Um, they will notice that uh, like people will come, will prefer context or like any decentralized Twitter, which they can easily switch to with their existing social network and, and tweets and likes and retweets. Um, yeah, like they will notice this, and then Twitter will notice that yo, our our users don't use Twitter anymore. We need to do we need to implement lock in with Ethereum, right? Lock in with context. Um, and of course, that's like last step. And if that's a challenge, like to to scale all these sites, then it probably makes sense to introduce money, right? So do the do something similar as uh, Brave, I would say. Um, or you could see like Numerai, um, maybe like Brave, where they introduce publishers. So of course, people want to pay uh, the user for their attention, right? So our algorithm could see that whatever list this publisher sh uh, sends to the user and, and to the developers uh, is like it would rank really not in the view of the user. And they could they could give a price to that, right? They could attach a price to that um, because they have like a hundred items, and the the last one is the item of the publisher because it's just a it's just the ad. Um, so whatever, like the, the user gives a price, um, and it says, okay, for like five bucks, I would view this ad. I would I would put it on the first place of my Twitter feed of this list of one hundred items. Right. So I think that's what context will might be at some point. This is sort of marketplace, right? To to not just build better products and incentivize users to join that way, but also to incentivize developers to build, like to train algorithms, build algorithms, and build UI. Um, yeah, and we do that by introducing like publishers, right? I see. So basically, um, the, the the way that context sort of builds up that um sort of personal data on behalf of the user is just to provide enormous utility through this um you know through higher quality recommendations and and ui is built on top of it uh, that's super cool yeah. um great so um i think we'll have to to wrap it up there uh i think people listening will undoubtedly have a sort of uh a, a bunch of questions and, and want to follow up more so where should they go where would you recommend that they go um i think you can go to context.app which again starts with a k context with k and then you see a link to our twitter and you see a link to our discord and which is like i spend most of my time in discord so um you go there and you ask questions and i would love to answer them Great. Okay. Well, thanks very much, Chris. Um, this thanks, has been man. Awesome. Uh, really, really. I mean, we've obviously spoken uh, a fair bit online, but it's good to sort of chat here and hear more about it in real time, what you're working on. And it all makes a lot of sense. And I'm really excited to see where it goes. Nice. Thanks. Thanks for the invite. And I hope um, this is a great start of, of your, of many more nice podcast episodes to come. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right. Thanks very much, man. I see ya. Bye. Cheers.